conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Anastasia Beverly Hills, Anastasia Soiree. Anastasia Soiree is a self-made billionaire, but her story is not just for beauty lovers, nor is it just for business lovers. It's for everyone. I was granted this interview as an Australian podcast exclusive, which is an opportunity I am so grateful for and one I can assure you I have not taken lightly. I had limited time with Anastasia, but I really wanted to do her story justice and tell it properly. So we've started in mid-1950s Romania. Anastasia grew up under the communist regime, studying art history and assisting her mother on the weekends in the tailoring business she owned and operated. From her mother, she learned attention to detail, she learned passion, and she learned how good it feels when your client walks away feeling beautiful. From her art teacher, she learnt the golden ratio, a mathematical concept of balance and proportion that guides what the human eye finds to be beautiful and subsequently a ratio that would change Anastasia's life. In 1989 and without speaking a word of English, Anastasia finally immigrated to the United States where she found work as an esthetician. Anastasia recalled what her art teacher had taught her about eyebrows in portraiture, being that they can change an entire face. So Anastasia began offering brow sculpting during her facials. Prior to Anastasia arriving in Los Angeles, no one in America had cared about their eyebrows. By 1992, her clients included Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell and Stephanie Seymour. And Anastasia was one of the single most in-demand people in the beauty industry. In 1997, Anastasia opened her own salon in Beverly Hills. In 1998, she shaped Oprah's brows on national television. By 99, she had developed her own collection of eyebrow products, the very first of its kind. And by 2000, Anastasia Beverly Hills products were stocked nationally. In 2018, Anastasia Beverly Hills received an investment from private equity firm TPG that valued it at US $3 billion. Today, Anastasia Soiree is still the company's CEO, selling more than 500 products in over 30 countries with 20.2 million Instagram followers after bootstrapping the company for nearly 20 years before taking on that external investment. In this conversation, Anastasia shares what happened when she had to pull half of her collection from Nordstrom and bear the losses herself within days of launching the brand, how to back yourself when your product is globally the very first of its kind, and of course, her all-time top brow tips. I understand that you were raised in Romania, so I would love to start there. What is your very earliest memory of beauty? Um, Wow, that's a good one. It's a very good one. Um, First of all, I used to have a mascara that somebody got it for me from Italy, and it was like a cake 
like a little compact. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have a like a tiny little compact with a cake uh, mascara and with a little brush. And you used to put water and oh. and it mixed with that solid uh, product. And you used to do your mascara because it, uh, we we didn't have a, a one mascara like sure. ours. Like Lash Brag, that is the best mascara, by the way. Um, so you had uh, almost like a tiny little brush, almost like a toothbrush, but very narrow. And you used to mix with water this solid product, and you used to do the uh, do your lashes. This was one. Second, we remember we didn't have makeup palettes or eyeshadow palettes or and my mother used to hire a painter that used to restore churches in italy and we used to buy i mean he used to do our home uh and he used to bring me raw material pigments mm -hmm. the blue the green light green because in the 70s those were the like colors absolutely and, yeah those were the colors and some gold and I used to mix them and with my finger, I used to, to use them and uh, an eyeliner. Mm -hmm. So that was the look. The, the part in the middle, I had very long black hair with eyeliner and that shadow, um, the blue or the green. And that, that was the, uh, the, the, my, my first memories. And I was probably... 18 when I used to do that but uh, earlier than that when I was like five six my mother every Sunday used to go to the beauty salon it was her only day and in Romania Sundays was the busiest day in the salon they were closed on uh, Sunday uh, Monday and Tuesday no only Monday because uh, in Romania everybody used to work six days a week in my wow. time yes even schools were six days a week and Sunday and was the one day off. Sundays was only day off, yes. Wow. And uh, it was very interesting that I would watch the hairstylist, how they cut her hair, and then they would trim my hair a little bit, and manicure and pedicure, and they would paint my nails. I was my maybe five or six. Wow. So, yeah. It was That's very always, always been resourceful. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You studied art history and architecture, but when you were a child, what did you think that you might be when you grew up? You know, living in Romania was, I think we, we were forced to, not forced, but the only avenue for us was to go to library. We had huge libraries. We had, everybody had, the pride of every family, intellectual family, was to have a big library. So um, we had a lot of books. We all read books. We didn't have computers. On TV was not too much to watch. Uh, this was just the communist regime that it, I wasn't interested in. Sunday and Saturday, they used to, to show the old movies, the Hollywood movies in the 50s. Mm -hmm. or, or every Sunday morning, I will watch the Russian ballet, the Bolshoi. Oh. They will... Uh, they will show us. So ballet, opera, um, I mean, this is, and then we used to go to the library was the only thing that kind of we took pride of. 
I mean, reading, a lot of reading, searching, reading, everything you are interested in. And depends of what teacher was, I mean, we had some incredible teacher. And uh, depends of how good the teacher was, will stimulate you and, and you had to read books. That was part of your homework. Over the weekend, you had to read books. Mm-hmm. I read that your mother owned and operated a tailoring business after your father passed away when you were quite young and that you would often help her in the shop. And now that I know how much you would read and that you only had Sundays off, I can imagine that was yes, quite a lot. Yes. What were some of the lessons that you took from watching your mother run that business? Um, I think my mother was an incredible businesswoman. One of the most important things that I took for her her client, the love, the, the attention to detail that she will create over the client. She will do makeovers. This was a long time ago, okay? She will bring her hair stylist and, and if one of her clients will come and let's say she will get married or the entire family, the mother-in-law, the mother, everybody will, will get close for the wedding, we'll do makeovers. So I will be the one that I will design the clothes for whatever uh, who was and uh, was probably my first introduction of the golden ratio of the body because mm. my mother used to measure she used to say well her shoulders are uh, are smaller than her hips so we need to add some shoulder pads to to she didn't know that that was the golden ratio of the body but but she understood she by practicing she she she, her eye was encoded to recognize that perfect balance and proportion. So I used to design the clothes. We had a thick Vogue magazine and the client will come and will kind of give me an idea what she would like. And then we'll kind of design something similar that will, will fit her body better. And we'll do makeovers. And the, uh, I used to ask my mother, like, mom, you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and until 12 at night, you don't stop. And I said, aren't you tired? Aren't those clients, they bother you? And she used to tell me, I love what I do. I love all my clients. And it gives me such a joy to see them happy and the final result. And I feel like I, I get excited every time. And I couldn't understand, you know, I couldn't because I was like, oh my God, no. This, when you are young, you just, those clients are bothering you. Of course. And, and I come here and I start working in the salon and my daughter started working at the front desk to help me uh, when, when she was in vacation. And I remember it, it was just a click in my head when she said one day, Mom, you work so many hours, seven days a week. Aren't you tired? These clients are so demanding. And, and I said, wow, it's so interesting that you ask me exactly the same question I asked my mother when I was your age. And she gave me this answer, like, I love what I do. And I said, I promise you, you will do the, exactly the same when you will be my age. And, uh, and she said, no, I will never, because I want to have fun. And well, guess what? Now she, I have to tell her, like, it's time for you to go home. It's, you work too many hours. <laughs> but she loves it. I think being passionate, I learned I learn from my mother to be really passionate for what I do. 
You arrived in Los Angeles in around 1989 and found work as an esthetician, during which time you began to offer brow shaping as a service upon noticing that no one really paid attention to their brows at that time. I would love to hear more about that. Why were you so passionate about about brows, sorry? And, you know, this was so far before actually caring about brows was a trend so what was it that made you say okay this is going to be the next big thing um so I looked at my picture the the one of the esthetician that used to give me the facial when I was in Romania uh her name was Mariana she used to give me a facial and before I would start the facial she would tweeze my eyebrows and for some reason when I came here I started looking at the picture of the movie stars and in the 90s Pamela Anderson was like everybody wanted to look like her. And her eyebrows were literally so fine. I mean, gorgeous girl, but her eyebrow was very thin. Almost like a semicircle, that shape. Correct, mm. yes. And, and then I work on Cindy Crawford that has mm. this incredible, beautiful eyebrows. I mean, she was the most incredible looking human being when I met her in 1990. And, uh, and, and she was so beautiful. And for some reasons, the fact that no, the, the owner didn't want to, to let me do eyebrows and everything kind of clicked together. And I said, I need, I remember my art teacher when he used to teach me how to draw portrait or to teach the class. He always emphasized that if you want to draw a portrait, and you want to change an emotion, you change eyebrows. And I thought, that's why I look in my picture at that time, surprised constantly, because my eyebrow was very round, and, and I will move my, my face, my forehead, and I look surprised. So I started going to the library to revisit all the material that my, my art teacher, you know, we did study of... Uh, first of all, the art, the uh, work of Leonardo da Vinci that used in all his painting, a golden ratio, and the study that he did on the human body, and and I thought I need to do something. I need to fix my eyebrow. What would be the perfect arch for my face? So slowly, I start understanding how important and and applied that mathematical formula. And once I saw a difference in my face, I thought, oh my God. This is amazing. I have to do this for every, I, I need to share this with my clients. And remember in 1992, I rented a room and I start really focusing on eyebrows a lot. And I mean, at that time, people didn't consider a service, the eyebrows. So I used to do their eyebrow without charging before I would do their eyebrows, the, the facials. And um, then slowly they start getting noticed or themselves or people will look at them like, wow, you look rested. You know, what did you do? It's some, did you cut your hair? You look so good. So obviously every woman, when she gets a compliment, she will think like, okay, I have to go back and do my eyebrows because this is, this is good. <clears throat> so I think it started as work, uh, work, uh, 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 almost like word of mouth, people start sending their mother, their sister, their friends. And, and when I start working with celebrity, with, with uh, uh, actresses and supermodel, then obviously 
their agents, their and and everybody wants to look like them. The most do what every beautiful actress or supermodel does. So uh, in '94, then was an article in Vogue magazine. Marina Ross, the writer, wrote two pages, and in the same November article was uh, an article about uh, Kevin O'Quan book, Making uh-huh. Faces. Yes. So he emphasized he was such an incredible artist. He emphasized eyebrows as a very important part of the face. And then a few pages later is this woman, Anastasia, that is the best kept secret in Hollywood. And, uh, and that was, I think, ignited um, uh, almost among every beauty editor of magazines and, and people that followed the trend, the fashion and the beauty industry. So I think that ignited that desire or, or a curiosity about eyebrows. And then it took me years to, in 97, I opened the salon in Beverly Hills and in, I, I realized that I need to work on products because there were no products for eyebrows. And in 2000, we launched the product. You really yeah. did. I can't stress to people enough. You really did pioneer caring for eyebrows and shaping them. You were the first. Yes. Yes, I invented eyebrows, I have to say. You did. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've changed all of our lives, really. It's funny that you mention Cindy Crawford because other than Cindy Crawford, you had Naomi Campbell, Stephanie Seymour. Yes. It was all of yes. the supermodels of the, the time. Yes, I mean, gorgeous girls. Usually when I speak to a guest who has amassed clients of that level of celebrity, I ask something to the tune of, oh, what was it about your approach that was so different from the rest? But for you, it obviously was that golden ratio. So in as much or as little detail as you wish, what is the golden ratio and why is it so significant? Well, why significant is because the human eye is encoded to recognize balance and proportion. So golden ratio is everywhere, in nature, in architecture, in everywhere you look around. And what it, if you are, eight, I mean, very few people are perfectly symmetrically proportioned, okay? The human body, the face. Let's talk the face right now. Let's ignore the, the body. Let's talk about the face. Eyebrow is one of the most important feature on our face that if it's shaped correctly according to your bone structure and natural eyebrow shape will bring a lot of balance and proportion, will make your eyes bigger, will make your cheeks bigger, will, will make your nose smaller or bigger, depends what you need. So by, by fixing your eyebrow or shaping your eyebrow perfect, then you bring every single element together and gives you this harmony within your face and we perceive we as people we perceive that as beautiful to me beauty is this perfect proportion this harmony that you create using the perfect eyebrow shape using the perfect contouring according your bone structure and using your eyeshadow everything else you want to add um, uh, to your face and and using makeup you basically create an illusion of perfection and we are encoded to, we are attracted to that. Yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's not even a a superficial thing. It's that's how humans respond to symmetry. Exactly. 
Mm. Exactly. I mean, there are so many studies where, where they will tell you and show you how people that are perceived as beautiful, they get more attention. They, uh, I mean, there are so many benefits, mm. you know, not only that you look at yourself and you feel good about yourself. So it gives you a lot of confidence. Forget right. about the rest of the people, you know. <laughs> That's the big one, absolutely. You mentioned yeah. that in 1997 you opened your own salon in Beverly Hills. By 99 you had developed your product line and that was in the salon. And by 2000 that line was stocked in Nordstrom. I have a few questions about this time because that was a lot happening simultaneously. Firstly, what made you want to develop a collection rather than solely offering your brow service? Because uh, when, when I will take a client, I will give her the mirror. I will explain her what I will do because, I mean, there were a lot of people kind of mm. scared, like, oh, my God, what are you going to do to my eyebrows? And then... Uh, obviously was the 90s was the time where a lot of people over tweeze they didn't know mm. what to tweeze and and obviously I will show them and shape the eyebrows that will look so beautiful so I give them the mirror and they will think oh my god this is beautiful to fill in the gaps that they were missing hair or add some hairs where they needed I used to mix uh, eyeshadow with the uh, Vaseline and aloe vera and create this pomade um, and I used to fill them in. Well, after a while, the client will come back and say, well, my eyebrow looked amazing when I left, but the next morning when I wash my face, I mean, it wasn't the same. And what I'm going to do for those three weeks when I, I'm home and I, if I go out, I want to look that perfect. So I, I knew that I need to create products. So I went in Italy and I worked with the lab and uh, we start, I start creating products from the beginning that will solve the problems because working with the clients, everybody has a different, different mm. hair type, uh, uh, too thin, too thick, too light, too dark. So I will create products that will solve a, a problem. So a solution to a problem. This is how I wanted to create products. Wow. I mean, the fact that you were creating a pomade in the 90s, even yes. now I think pomades are confusing to some people. Yes, yeah. Mm. Well, it's very interesting that you say that. I created the pomade. It was so overwhelming from, for everyday client she will prefer the pencil okay. because it was making more sense. And, and because the technology wasn't very advanced, we had the pomade that wasn't waterproof. Uh -huh. So the only people that loved the pomade in 1990 were the professional makeup artists. And then what we did, we pulled out because the everyday customer felt intimidated. And of course, we relaunched it when the social media came in, when the Instagram, uh, we, we had such a big presence and was easier to do tutorial to teach clients how to use it correctly. Mm. And, and, and we were able, because of the new technology, we, we were able to make a pomade that was waterproof. So It's the best. It is the truly best. the best. 
this kind of leads me into my next question because brow shaping and really just colour cosmetics catering to the eyebrows specifically was still a completely foreign concept in the year 2000 when you were picked up by Nordstrom. What was, other than the pomade, what was the initial response to the brand like given that you couldn't use social media to educate people in the way that you can now? Well, we had powder. We I designed the the brush number seven twenty, tw- more than twenty years wow. ago, and the precision and the double ended, and uh, the reason why I didn't know about patenting all this because I didn't know. But um, I, I designed the brush angle just to to uh, to fill in the eyebrow with precision and. Every time I used to tell my clients, well, you fill in and you take a spoolie brush, a disposable, and you brush. And then I thought, wow, maybe I should do one brush with the spoolie on one side and with the angle to apply as well. So I, I worked with the manufacturer and I, I started this concept. Um, then we had, because every product I will make, I needed to make a, a, a tool to apply it that will give mm-hmm. you absolutely the best results so we had powders we had um we had powders pencils uh the wood pencil we had highlighters we had the pomade this is what we we use tweezers scissors stencils um yeah uh, those were the 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 products that we started from the beginning and the clear brow gel yes Mm. the clear brow gel essential and yeah essential and it, it took me um, a lot of work because, I mean, I used to work five days a week in the salon and then two days I would travel around the country in Nordstrom's wow. to, to teach the clients how to use the products. Because at that time in 1995, uh, I mean, in 2000, uh, to use a pencil or powder in your eyebrow was kind of a, a new thing. Mm. And I will show them and they will see immediate results. And this is how it all started. And then word of mouth. Mm. Aside from that brow collection that you've just mentioned, you also launched with full a full collection of colour cosmetics, but yes. then had to pull it pull that line to focus on the brows, but you obviously yes. since- we, didn't, we didn't have the money. And I have this is funny because we are here. This <laughs> is this is the collection from the, from 2000 from 2000 wow. this was the brow kit i will send you pictures oh please yes i would love to post yes. them that's amazing this is, isn't that amazing those are the lipstick the powder the all the products wow. that we launch huh? this this is the loose powder look how pretty everything was custom made it was so expensive yes the even the the foundation bottle was custom made was so expensive i didn't know at that time that we cannot make that because it's too expensive (laughs) i was about to say it's incredible that the the packaging still looks so current even though this is over 20 years ago now Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to send you a picture. Please do. So you had to you had to pull that line from Nordstrom just to focus on the brows. You've obviously since brought back colour cosmetics. Yeah. But can you talk me through that time and how hard that decision must have been to pull part of the line? It was very, very difficult because I realised we need to pay the makeup artists that are in the stores. I thought that, oh, I'm going to sell you the, the my products and that's it. 
well, no, it, it, you, it didn't work like that. <laughs> and uh, I had to make the conscious decision, do I keep the eyebrows? And we had brow studios. So the esthetician used to teach the customer how to use the brow products. And uh, that was um, a wonderful thing. And having Nordstrom as a partner, but uh, we pulled the, the makeup. We lost a lot of money. Of course. But I thought, I believe in the eyebrow. Let's focus only on the eyebrow. And later on, we could expand. When we feel that we have enough money, we'll expand into makeup. Mm, the and right decision social, in the long run. Yes. Yes. The, the social media, I think, help us to, to make that happen. Well, let's let's talk about social media because you were really the first brand to start using social media to your advantage as a business. And as it stands, you have 20.2 million followers on Instagram. How has the rise of digital YouTube as well is obviously very important in beauty. How has that changed the way that you operate? I I think the social media, Instagram and YouTube was uh, amazing because it, it created a desire for every woman to learn how to do makeup. Uh, I think women before didn't use that much makeup because they, were, they didn't know. They didn't know how to apply a foundation, how to fill in their eyebrows, how to do contouring, how, and all those things where really we were able to do tutorial on Instagram, and it was absolutely incredible. Um, I, I think it was really revolutionary to be able to teach by using uh, social media. Hmm. Despite the accessibility of tutorials and how revolutionary social media has been, I imagine choosing the right brow product can still be rather confusing and potentially intimidating for some people. In as much or as little detail as you wish, how do we choose the right Anastasia Beverly Hills product for our eyebrows? Um, depends. We have so many products and every product is is designed for a specific eyebrows, specific color. We have a huge range of colors, 11 colors. Mm. Uh, I wanted to to have a product for every single client that walked in my door when, when I opened the salon. Um, and, uh, I think it's important to really do the search, go on our website and read everything, what every product is for. And always, always, when you start feeling, first of all, you need to, if you read our concept on, on our website or our Instagram, you need to learn the first step of golden ratio, where your eyebrow should begin and, and what is the highest part. Then you connect those three marks and you have to decide what are the perfect products for you. Always, always start with wherever, the powder, the pomade, whatever it is, but use very little product. You could always build up. Mm-hmm. Don't use too much because it will be very difficult. Your eyebrow will be too dark, will be very difficult. Be light-handed, difficult to take it out. Always start to fill in from the middle, the highest part of your eyebrow towards the end. And then what is left over, you go with the beginning. And you fill in the beginning of the eyebrow. You create that ombre look. Never make the eyebrow in between too dark because it's going to give you a very harsh look. 
what is very important is that use the product one pro the best is to use two products one to shade the entire eyebrow and one to detail create hair strokes mm -hmm. so why you have to do that is because we want to mimic the natural a full natural eyebrow a full natural eyebrow obviously because of the light the hairs in the eyebrow creates a shadow on this on the skin so that is going to be a shading that you use or a lighter color than your hair or you put less pressure when you fill in but the color needs to be lighter than your hair so the 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 shading all over the eyebrow then you take or brow wiz or brow define or um, deep brow pomade and you use strokes of hairs and you start from the middle towards the end first and it, what is left over you go lightly in front and this is how you create uh, ombre eyebrows it's very important to do that then you take the um, uh, um, you take the highlighter and you create uh, a line underneath that defines the eyebrow and highlights the brow bone or you could use a concealer wherever you want wherever it's easy for you always brush with the spoolie as you see every pencil every brush has application and a brush a spoolie brush to blend because you want to show the most natural look that's very very important and every pencil that I design has a different texture of the brush, the spoolie, because, because the consistency of this pencil should be removed very naturally with the consistency of the brush, the spoolie. So again, when I design a product, I have to think of every single aspect that will give you at ease the perfect eyebrows. I mean, I do eyebrows for 30 years. I know everything about eyebrows. I'm Absolutely. the eyebrow doctor. We're yes. very lucky that you're imparting your knowledge onto us. My last couple of questions. You sure. moved to Los Angeles and cemented yourself as part of the beauty industry upwards of 30 years ago now and have sat at the helm of your brand for over 20 years. Over that time, what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry? the biggest changes over 30 years? Um, well, first of all, when I came here in the 90s, even early 20s, people in LA used to get their makeup done if they would go to an Oscar, uh, Golden Globe, Emmy, or any award, mm -hmm. or they would go to a special event. Yeah. Okay? They would get their makeup done by professional. Now, everybody knows how to do their hair, their makeup, their eyebrows, um, and there are very few people that they use professional makeup artists, which I think it's incredible because I think what makes you beautiful makes you powerful. A woman that feels like she's beautiful, she's all put together, I think she has high heels and makeup are the perfect formula in my book. I completely agree with that. Even in lockdown, I've still been putting a face on yeah. because it's the ultimate yes. mood lifter. Exactly. Exactly what you are saying. Um, I, I, the only pr 
problem with my um, lockdown. I start cooking because I love cooking. As do and I. I cook for my mother and I gained so much weight. So before, I mean, I was five, uh, size four, now I'm size six. So I, I worked out before I came and I took a shower and that's why I wanted to. I don't have makeup on, that, but you will never caught me without makeup. Doesn't matter what, even if I don't see anyone. Because I, I think I'm in a better mood if I have makeup on. That's what, it's it's the confidence factor. I think yes, that's yes. people that are in the beauty industry. That's why we're doing it. So yeah. those are the changes that we have seen. What changes do you think we can expect to see in the beauty industry over the next five or so years? Um, I think right now everybody's refining their skills. I, I think in the last five, six years, they were intimidated, they were planning, they were using, I mean, I remember when we, we launched contouring, it was, was like, whoa, some people were, now they realize, because you, you start using and using and you your skills get better and better. I mean, I, I have people on my feed that, on Instagram, that I'm amazed myself of the, the uh, level of, of, artistry that they have it's absolutely incredible and i'm talking about from girls that are 14 15 to i don't know age is the limit uh no limit for the age and so so i think this is a a totally different level of artistry is that spend two hours uh doing my makeup that i have to look like i don't have makeup do you know that look absolutely (laughs) This is what is happening in the next five years. I think every everybody has uh, a, a better way and they understand how to use the power of the makeup. This is what I see uh, uh, in, in one uh, thing. Uh, secondly, I, I think, unfortunately, because of this pandemic, the traffic in the store is low. People are shopping more online. We get used more on communicating and doing things online. Um, I, I think we still need to adjust to that. Uh, but I hope to God, I pray to God that this is not going to be forever and we'll be able to go out and socialize and have a normal life. Um, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of companies went through a very hard time and um, I don't know, I, I, I really don't have a crystal ball. I hope we'll have a vaccine and, and our, pro- our life will go back to normal. It's been an interesting question because a few yeah. months ago I would ask what changes do you think so, we can expect yes. to see? I, I would be able answer. to answer you, mm. not now. <laughs> Strange times, but I, I mean, yeah. we're all just hoping for the best. My final question, Anastasia, what is uh-huh. next for Anastasia Beverly Hills? Well, next, what is next? Well, we went, let's go, what happened with us because of this pandemic. We started the, everything closed down in March immediately i i think my my spirit my my emigrant spirit of of being resourceful and coming with idea and and being really flexible uh kicked in and within 10 days i got my uh, executive team and we start doing virtual consultation Amazing. on our instagram with my team 
So if you work for Anastasia, I have, we have a, we have a field team, and they go to a boot camp. They need to learn everything. So it was already easy for us to start this because the team was so uh, trained to do that. So immediately in 10 days, we start doing virtual consultation, master classes, and we start doing one-on-one consultation. So it was incredible to see the growth that we got online because of that. Um, Then now um, the stores opened. Of course, the traffic is not the way it was, but still, we, we still have um, uh, customers in the stores. Unfortunately, they cannot touch the, the, the products. So it's a little bit, I, I think we are in the position where we are ready every week. You need to adapt to the situation. You need to be flexible. You need to be resourceful. And we need to watch every single day because to, whatever we talk today, I don't know if by the end of the week is going to be the same. So you need to be really very flexible and versatile. I I think this is what we learn, I learn. That was Anastasia Soiree, CEO of Anastasia Beverly Hills, which you can find on Instagram at Anastasia Beverly Hills. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.